Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland, episode 76. And there's only one person I can think of with the number 76. That's Lou the Toe Groza. Gotta Lou be. Lou the Toe. Lou That's the an toe. easy one. Yep. Ken Doors, Nick Ted Klopp. Ted, I haven't seen you in two weeks. I look the same. But I'll be honest with you, there's a lot that's going on. I'd like to give you a quick rundown of a few things that have happened in the last two weeks. Hmm. If you would give me the time, I have to ask for, for permission. I mean, obviously, I know you run the show. I'm just kind of here as a talking head. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Sure. Well, you got a new mayor in Cleveland, Justin Bibb. Yeah, that's the first time in a long time taking over for Mr. Frank Jackson. Action Jackson. Action Jackson. We wish him the best on his retirement. The Browns went from collapse to being back up top. People freaked out. I think you experienced that, as did I. Yep. I think the thing that's more puzzling is that the Cavs are winning. I don't know what happened. Um, we've ripped them pretty well, so we'll never have anyone on this podcast from the Cavs, but hats off to them. They're, they're winning games. I'm sorry, the who? Exactly. Okay. The Guardians. Do you remember that name? The who? Yes, we, don't, we have a baseball team named the Indians. They haven't changed to the Guardians. They haven't changed yet, but the Guardians are coming soon. Get well, ready. Uh, unless you, uh, unless you, you know, th there's that lawsuit. Because oh you know, yeah, we did we mention that? Weren't we no, we haven't mentioned that. That lawsuit. That? Yeah, the roller derby team is suing the baseball team over use of the the name. Yeah, apparently the baseball team offered a four-figure sum that the roller derby team didn't find to be acceptable. And so they gave so a one-finger answer back. Is that what they did? Well, the baseball team just said that we're going to move ahead. And so the uh, roller derby team said, okay, we'll see you in court. So this really makes the baseball team look bad, in my opinion. I mean, I you, you either need to have this taken care of before you make the switch, you need to do a different name because they just look, this is a horrible look for them. You know, I mean, they, they, they can't even, they, they, the, the fact that they're changing a name, the name is not popular. And then you go to change the name and you can't even do that right. That seems like an issue. I think the words we're looking for is due diligence. I think that uh, well, was part of it. Well, I got two other it. words for you. How about Google search? Like we do for the show. We yeah. Do I mean, you know, uh, let me see. I think I want to call it the Cleveland guardians. Let me, Oh, wait a minute. There's a team called the guardians. Huh? I'm not sure that'd be a good idea. Ah, the heck with it. Go ahead. Anyhow, just move forward. Yeah. That's all right. We'll make it good because we'll have top golf at the stadium for a few weeks. So that'll make this, people happy. This guy here is dead. Well, cross him off then. <laughs> yep. Oh, so we got that drama. Did you know it's Cleveland Pizza Week this week? Did you know this? No, I didn't. But I did hear that last Friday was uh, Love Your Lawyer Day. I don't know if that matters. I don't know. I didn't know about that. I'm concerned about Cleveland Pizza Week. This is a personal thing. There's 40 restaurants in the Northeast Ohio, Cleveland area that are serving $8 pizzas this week. The concern is how many of those pizza joints I'm going to establish and go to throughout the week. That's my concern. How many will it be? Will it be less than 40? I think it should be. But if I do it, you probably won't see me here in two weeks. Yeah. We have two of the combustion. That's correct. We have two of the safest towns in Ohio, right in this area. I'm not sure if you knew this or not. I know Hunting that Valley. One, I know one of them is not Cleveland. Well, 
That is correct. Okay. That was an easy one. I was throwing you a softball on that. Yeah, you sure did. Have you spent much time in Hunting Valley? Uh, no, but I can't say I'm surprised. It's uh, one of the safest. It's, uh, you know, you, I think you got to have a uh, pretty decent sized bank account to go Correct. there. Correct. Yeah. yeah. The other one was Sagamore Hills, which I found surprising. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's. Well, okay. you want to check that out, you know, certainly uh, go on clevelandscene.com. We'll send all the uh, we'll send all the, uh, the 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 robbers that listen to the show to those yeah. two cities to even that out. Did you know that a former basketball player that played for the Cavs is going to have a boxing match on December eighteenth? Please, Deron Williams. Remember Deron Williams? Uh, no, but I can help. Point guard. Hours. He played for Utah for a while. No, I don't know who that is. He is going to fight Frank Gore. Remember Frank Gore, who played the football back? forever? <laughs> played like 25 years, who always looked the same. Guys, they're not hard up for cash, are they? I guess not, but they're going to fight the undercard of the Jake Paul-Tommy Fury fight on December 18th. So I, I want to okay. make sure you were, you're aware of that as well. So okay, that, that's kind of the updates I have for the past two weeks. Um, yeah. Ted, unfortunately, we... Uh, I hate when we have to have these discussions, but unfortunately this is real life stuff. And this is what yep. we got. You have, uh, you had to attend a funeral for someone that you knew actually uh, pretty well. Yeah. I worked with Mike Trevisano from WTAM 1100 who passed away uh, very suddenly uh, the day after our last episode uh, passed and uh, you know, very sad, very sudden, but I, I have to tell you that I can't help, uh, but talk about him with a smile on my face. Uh, if you are friends with Marty Allen on Facebook, or there are uh, uh, Facebook groups uh, with Triv, you know, for Mike Trivisano, uh, people are posting best of clips, and it's just they're they're super. Uh, obviously, it's sad that he passed away. Although I will tell you, I did go to the calling hours, and. I don't know that I've ever attended a calling hours that was as appropriate for someone as this particular calling hour session was. Uh, it struck me. I was a little surprised that Triv had an open casket. He didn't strike me as that kind of guy, but you know, I don't know uh, if you listened or watched the uh, funeral mass that was streamed live on the radio station website, then you probably heard the pastor talk about, uh, knowing Triv, and he did not strike me as a church-going kind of a guy, but he obviously was. But nonetheless, um, he had an open casket, and he likes those uh, Tommy Bahama uh, sweatshirts. Oh yes, and whatnot. And so in the casket, he's not wearing a shirt and tie. No, he's got the Hawaiian, the Tommy Bahama blue and white shirt on. So I go up and you know how you kneel down and you're supposed to say a prayer. So I get up there and I kneel down and he's got the, I call them Coke bottle glasses, the dark glasses yeah. that he always wore. He looked, you know, a lot of people, when they, you see them in their casket, they don't look like the person that you knew. Well, this looked like if he'd have suddenly, you know, hopped out of the casket and said, ha ha, I gotcha. I would have bought it. Cause it looked, it yeah. was just, you know, it's very well done. So I get up there and I'm kneeling. And I, you know, look at him and I look down and I see his hands. Well, in one hand, he's got pocket aces. And in the <laughs> other hand, he's got a ticket from Northfield Park. 
Oh, come on. Two of his favorite things, poker and horse racing. And I just thought this, this is so perfect. This is just, you know, it made me chuckle. And then I, you know, I looked a little more. There's a baseball in the casket and a microphone as well. So being the knucklehead that I am, I'm ready to say a prayer. And then I see this. And my first thought is, oh, my gosh, I got to get a picture of this. And I'm reaching into my pocket for my cell phone. And then I say to myself, self, you can't take a picture of a dead body. No. So I, no. you know, I paused and uh, re, re uh, acquainted myself and uh, did not get out my phone, did not take a picture, but committed it to memory because it was just so unique. And they also had a lot of Motown music playing, which was another thing that he liked. So um, sad, obviously, unfortunate that he has passed, but what a unique guy and a guy that left an indelible mark on Cleveland and did, you know, whether he gets the credit for not, did a lot of good, raised an awful lot of money for Coats for Kids. Yes, he did. And you know what? It's very quickly, obviously, I didn't have the opportunity to work with Mike like you did, but just hearing him for years on WT, I'm always would throw it on to hear what he had to say. I would have to say one of the most influential people when it comes to radio that this city, I think, has ever seen. I, I, I will leave it at that. You know, I, I mean, he might well not said. have the most education, as he always mentioned during his show. But boy, people turned the radio station on to listen to nobody but him. For well, sure. yeah. And he the people talked about what a smart guy he was. And uh, I think it was Carmen Angelo on the air who pointed out one of the reasons why he was such a smart guy was he was a good listener. Yep. Uh, that's an art that's lost anymore nowadays. It's let me, let me get my 140 characters in and make myself look smart. Um, and I'm reminded of the old line better to be quiet and thought of as a fool than to speak out and erase all doubt. So, but nonetheless, uh, a unique guy and he will be, uh, sorely missed. So, uh, uh, but anyhow, let's, uh, let's move on and tell you what's coming up on our show. Ken, We have a brand new segment. It's called Hey Coach. Lovely. Yeah, we've had some people send us questions that we didn't feel like we were qualified to answer. We, You and I talked about this. So we brought in a coach. This is not just a sports coach. He's also a life coach. That's what we need. Yeah, later on in the show, he will answer your questions, and uh, we'll see how that goes. We're also going to talk with a restaurant owner who says her eatery is haunted. Hmm. Yeah. We have a misspeak of the week. This time, the, the problems befell House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Oh and Steve Muehlhausen from DAZN is here. He's going to get in the ring, talk about what else WWE talent releases and a few other things. In Klopp's clips, you won't believe what a guy used to try to get rid of cobwebs at his mom's house. All that and more coming up. And now, a woman's perspective. Why doesn't it matter how often a married man changes his job? He still ends up with the same boss. This has been a woman's perspective. Ted, we have some good news. A study from Barcelona has found that drugs used to treat hypertension and inflammation in people have reversed the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease in mice. Oh, Oh my gosh. The study characterized three stages of Alzheimer's disease. Initial 
intermediate and advanced. Having characterized the disease, the scientists used the chemical checker, a computational tool developed by the same research group to find drugs already on the market with the capacity to reverse the effects of Alzheimer's at the cellular level. Further research on the four drugs noted will be done. We keep uh, advancing in science and thank God that we do. Yeah, yeah. And, and it seems like every week you hear some good news about one of the, these major uh, health problems that affects older people, cancer, Alzheimer's, dementia, things like that. It really seems like the medical community is making big strides in that, which is obviously a, a great thing. It's much needed. And as we get older, these are things that we hope could just be eradicated. Ted, we just got more good news. Time for another edition of This Week in Cleveland History. We are joined by our Cleveland historian, John Grabowski. John, thanks for the time once again. Today, I wanted to kind of bring up a topic that I think when you say these words, people know exactly what it is and they love to talk about that be the that would be the Hope Memorial Bridge. Can you tell us a little bit of history of that and tell us some great facts about the Hope Memorial Bridge? Oh my gosh, well, you know, Hope, Hope Memorial Bridge is, is major in the news right now because of the four guardians of, of uh, traffic, uh, the, actually eight guardians or eight faces, four pylons, but uh, it's part of a growing Cleveland. Uh, you know, at one point, Cleveland had two major bridges over the uh, Cuyahoga Valley, east-west ones it was the old Superior Viaduct and then the Central Avenue Viaduct, which went from roughly uh, uh, basically Central Avenue to uh, Tremont. And when automobiles began to really fill the streets in the 1920s, we needed another bridge. And so there was a movement, it actually goes back to 1902, to build a bridge between Central and Lorraine, Lorraine being the main drag on the west side. And in 1918, the city actually passed a bond issue to build that bridge. Now you can get into all the arcane details, but uh, by the time the bridge was constructed, it was opened in 1932, Central had been rerouted, so it became the Lorraine-Carnegie Bridge. Uh, interesting factoid here is that the Detroit Superior Bridge, I think, had over 40,000 automobiles a day on it in the 1920s. Wow. One of the busiest bridges, so that's why we needed another bridge over the valley. And it was designed by the firm of Walker and Weeks, uh, and it was a Henry uh, Frank Walker, who was the architect, he worked with Cleveland's major bridge builder, a, a man named Wilbur J. Watson. He's really an incredible person. And they designed this modern bridge. And it's fantastic. It's almost a mile long. And uh, the height over the, over the river is 300 feet. And the height, I think, at either end is like 120 feet over the valley. So you could get a ship through it without having to lift the bridge. Same thing with the Detroit Superior Bridge. Wow. Um, but the thing that made the bridge really special makes it now were those, those pylons. They were uh, sculpted mm -hmm. designed by Henry Herring, uh, noted sculptor in the modernist style, at least he went to the modernist style. And Herring is also represented in the pediment of uh, Severance Hall. That's his sculpture up there as well. So you, you have these eight figures, the guardians of traffic, each holding a vehicle from old hayricks to believe it or not, there's an electric powered truck in the hands <laughs> of one of them. Wow. And, uh, wow. and the bridge, too, it's like everybody, I think everybody knows the Detroit Superior Bridge has a lower level for streetcars. Mm -hmm. They planned a lower level for streetcars on the Hope Memorial Bridge, uh, which was the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge. It was never used, so you still have a dual level thing. 
I think what makes that bridge spectacular is it has no overstructure. Uh-huh. Where you're on that bridge in the center of the bridge, you can see forever. Uh-huh. And, yep. uh, and right now, we, we know that the guardians of traffic are the namesake, uh, dare say, of a baseball team and also a roller derby team, but we won't take <laughs> that any further. <laughs> but what we see is the, the bridge used to connect two market districts. Hmm. Central okay. Sheriff Street Market on the east side with the west side market. And now it connects the, uh, the uh, basically sports center of Cleveland with the burgeoning West 25th Street bar and restaurant and the West Side Market. Now, John, several years ago, uh, when Cleveland was growing, wasn't there, I don't know if it was a proposal from a mayor or someone, but wasn't there a proposal at one time that we needed to uh, expand the lanes of the bridge and the guardians were in the way, so we should just tear them down. Wasn't that uh, talking? Yeah, you know, that, that was the county engineer, Bert Porter, I believe. And uh, okay. that was stopped and the guardians were saved. They carefully cleaned the bridge with ground walnut shells to, to clean up the guardians. So it, it, it was, was saved. It's a, it's, it's a remarkable story. If, if they had done that, we would have lost one of the icons of, of the city of Cleveland. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. What, what can and, I say? You know, and it's, it's, we know that it's named supposedly after Rob, Bob Hope's father. And Bob Hope's father was an English stonecutter and immigrant. The Guardians were actually cut in Little Italy in Ohio cut stone. That's where they were done. And mostly Italian stone workers. But we know there was an Englishman there and there was a Scotsman. So it was a multicultural group of stonecutters who built these. Wow. Wow. John, outstanding information. Really appreciate that. Certainly a lot of facts on one of the most historic things in Cleveland, the Hope Memorial Bridge. John, thanks for the time. That was fun. Thanks so much, Ted. Time for a new segment here on the show. It's called Hey Coach. We've gotten some questions in, as we mentioned earlier in the show, and Ken and I just don't feel that we're uh, really prepared, or we have the knowledge to answer these questions. So we got a coach, but not just a sports coach. No, we have a, a life coach. So, uh, coach, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Um, first question comes from a gentleman by the name of Jimmy from Parma Heights. Makes mention that uh, the kids at school are taking away his lunch, and he wants to know how he should handle that. My best advice for him is to kick him straight in the balls in the dick. The best thing you can do is send a message right away to these kids. Know that they're not going to f*** with you. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, that's uh, that. That's certainly one, one way to approach it. All right. We'll move on to uh, question two. This comes from Jeannie. She's based out of Bucyrus, Ohio. Jeannie wants to know she's having trouble with her boyfriend's. She doesn't think that he is acting very honestly with her. Thinks there might be some uh, infidelity going on. What, uh, what in your thoughts, coach, what should Jeannie do in this situation? This is simple. Get the out of the relationship and find somebody that's better. There's a lot of fish in the sea. Find the one that's best for you, period. All right, coach. We have one last question. Tom in Cleveland Heights writes in that uh, he's having some trouble with his golf swing. I'm not sure. I didn't think that golf was still going on in November, but 
apparently it is. So Tom in Cleveland Heights, coach, wants to know if you have any suggestions on what he can do to improve his golf swing and his golf game. Best thing you should probably do if you think you can get better in golf, just quit. Don't even bother. You're probably swinging so hard. You're probably falling over when you swing. Just give it up. Go to bowling or darts. Coach, uh, thanks for your time. Appreciate this. Um, if someone wants to contact you, uh, obviously through Facebook, Instagram, or anything uh, like that through social media, how can they do that? I don't even know what those things are. So go f*** yourself. All right. This is our segment. If you do have any questions for us that we can ask Coach, and hopefully he won't bite my head off, you can send the questions to 2MAMICLE at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again, Coach. Go f*** off. Well, today's guest has joined us once before on Two Middle Age Men in Cleveland, Laura Cavey, the owner of Cool Beans in Medina, Ohio. At that time, we talked to her about the pandemic and how things affected her business. But today's conversation is going to be much different as we're going to talk about her place being, quote unquote, spirited. Laura, thanks for joining Ted and I today. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, Laura, let's get into this. So we had a discussion a few months back where you mentioned that, I don't know how to say this, but I'm just going to say you had some ghostly experiences at your facility and you've experienced some spirited things. What is that all about? Can you talk to us about that? Absolutely. So um, we, you know, we've always been told that our location has um, ghosts or spirits, whatever. And um, we have a woman who comes in every Thursday and she does tarot card readings and, um, and things like that. And to be honest, that's not something that I, I, I'm really versed in or overly excited about. But right when I first bought the store, which is now 11 years ago, um, she had come up to me and she said, you're, you're very busy today. And I said, yeah, I am. And this is wonderful. She goes, it's the spirits. They said they like you and they're sending prosperity your way. And I went, okay. <laughs> Didn't think much of it. So I was at home and I was talking to my then business partner. And honestly, I was mocking the situation. And I was like, oh yeah, that's really lovely, isn't it? And can I swear to you, I walked back into that building the next day and half of my light bulbs were burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> And I kind of looked around like, uh-oh. <laughs> so from what my understanding is, because we've had, you know, ghost searchers come in, whatever, the paranormal uh, people come in at the witching hour and so forth. So they've told me that all of these um, spirits live in my basement. So after I saw that my light bulbs were burnt out, I, <laughs> I wish there was video because I'm sure I looked like an absolute fool. But I went into the basement. And I just stood there talking to the air. I'm like, listen, if I offended, I'm really sorry. <laughs> And next time I, I make you mad, can you do something that doesn't cost me quite so much money? And uh, I, still to this day, I swear to you, I, every my, one of my employees will testify every time I go to the basement. I say, hi, guys. And every time I leave, I say, bye, guys, just in case. You know? <laughs> 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 happy with me still. So uh, before you uh, bought this property and uh, got this information, did you believe in ghosts? What was your opinion before uh, this situation? 
you know, I'm, I'm not somebody who, who goes searching for orbs and pictures or anything along those lines, but I am modest enough to say, you know, I'm well aware that I don't know everything about everything. So there's always a possibility for anything like this. So, um, so just in case, you know, you, you have to at least acknowledge and, uh, and, and like I said, you know, if they're going to do some things like this to me, I, I want to make sure that I'm on their good side. Laura, you had previously, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you have a group of like ghost hunters or something like that at your facility at one point in time that kind of reviewed some things and all that? Didn't you guys have that a few years back? You know what? We did. We've had a couple of paranormal groups ask if they can come in because they've heard, you know, that we're haunted or um, spirited. And um, one did come in um, and I happened to be there because they came in, they wanted to be there at like 1130 midnight. Um so I was there and I was upstairs in my office. We have a cooking school. It's this long glass enclosed room and they had, and forgive me, I don't know the name of it. Um, kind of like a radio, but it scans all the airwaves and apparently catches paranormal activity. And what they were telling me was that was in our cooking school. And there was somebody in the basement where we have a well that has been filled in, um, which I never step on because rumor has it, somebody lives in there. So I always avoid like the place. Um, <laughs> Again, very respectful. Um, but they said they were standing downstairs with a camera near this well and asking the spirits to come up and, and saying, you know, we'd like to take a picture, I assume looking for orbs. And um, they said upstairs, they were hearing something on their scanner saying no pictures. They had apparently no idea what was happening in the basement till they come back up and had this conversation. So I thought that was interesting. And then they handed me, because this is going back 10 years, um, they handed me a DVD and said, here's all of the findings in the, in the unusual things we saw in your building in case you want to look at this. Yeah, it's still sitting in my office. I will never look at that or I will never go back in that building after dark alone. Nice. So, yes. So have you had any uh, client uh, customers that have come in? Um, I don't know about for the sole purpose, but at least in part because uh, of hearing that the, the, place is haunted? Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of people who come in. There's um, an article right when you first walk through the door that um, Kimberly, Kim Miller, um, who worked for the Post newspapers at that point in time, she did this article um, about the uh, spirits and she actually won an award for it. That's sitting in the front window. So people will walk in, they'll see that. People will tell me they feel things. Um, nobody's ever told me they've, they've seen things. Some of my employees have told me they've had some unusual issues um, that happen. And anytime anything goes missing or something weird happens, we just turn around and go, Hey, that was the ghost. And, uh, that's our excuse for everything. So, but yes, we do actually, there's somebody, um, in town right now, psychic Sonia, she calls herself and she comes in right now with ghost tours. Um, she goes all through Medina because obviously we're a very old town and there's a lot of places, um, that are known for spiritual activity. And she takes groups to these different places. So she stops by ours at least twice, three times a week during the Halloween season as well. This is just very interesting information. Laura, you had shown me a video back <laughs> of some of surveillance of your facility of security cameras, obviously in your place. And you showed me a video of something moving on the floor while you're standing there. I, I guess my question for you, and I, I mean, obviously that's, that, that looked legit to me. I mean, unless your husband Ben was doing something crazy, I don't think that was the case. Um, 
I guess my question for you, has this been consistent? Do you experience it more at certain times of the year or during certain events or it just kind of happens and things kind of happen? You just kind of go from there. You know, to be honest, um, things happened a lot more towards the, when I first bought the store, um, I haven't had many experiences recently, um, that I can really pinpoint. Um, but you're right that, that, uh, security video actually I hadn't even met Ben then. So it, I can't even blame it on him. Yeah, um, blame. Yep. But yes, I was in the store probably 1130 at night on my own. Um, and, uh, and, we have those um, areas with the cup holders and I was counting the register, the cup holders who were directly behind me and they all popped out and came at me. And I wish I would have videoed a little bit more of that security tape because I had a long conversation with the air about not freaking me out <laughs> after I done, after I finished screaming because uh, it did scare the living daylights out of me. So, but no, I haven't, I can't say that I've seen anything or experienced anything recently. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. Oh. I had an experience oh. probably two years ago where a light bulb that had never worked in our basement, we have a really creepy, uh, bathroom in our basement that looks like something out of a horror film. It's abandoned. Nobody's been in it. It's cobwebs everywhere. Um, the light had never worked. And I walked downstairs one day and the light was working. Oh. And I, okay. Somebody obviously has been down here and changed the light bulb. You know, I'm looking for the logical answer. And I turned the corner to look in there and the cobwebs were all over the light fixture and all over the ceiling. So nobody hit it. Nobody had touched it. Nobody hit. So I don't know. I took, I, I, I'm going to take that for what it's worth too, but that was probably two to three years ago. So, so yeah, I guess now that I'm talking about it, there are quite a few things that have happened. Do you have any knowledge on the history of the building or, I mean, is, is it a former home where people, did people pass away there? Do you know anything about that? To my knowledge, um, I was told, and I have not verified this, but I was told that a child was hit and killed in the street in front of the store. And we had one of those spirits, um, the group that came in to do the paranormal um, activity uh, evening, they said they had passed over a woman and a child. And I don't know anything about the other ones, but what I can tell you about the the building itself or the site itself, um, the site is actually where the first log cabin in Medina was built. Um, Captain Badger came in from the East Coast and was tasked with um, removing all of the trees from the town square, which is obviously now Medina Square. Uh, and they had said, if you clear this area, whatever lum lumber that you have, it's all yours. So he used the lumber from that experience or from that task to build the first log cabin in Medina County. And it was on the plot of where our building is now. That has oh. obviously since gone and we've rebuilt the building that's there now, which I believe is about 130 years old. Wow. wow. That's very interesting. Well, Laura, if somebody wants to learn more information about the paranormal activity that happens at Cool Beans, I know you had the ghost hunters. Is there like an area on a website or something like that that people could find out more info? You know what? There wasn't, but I'll make sure I pop something up there so that people <laughs> get a little more information. Coolbeanshaunted.com. 
is because I know there's so many different people. And I, I mean, I guess it comes out more during Halloween. The people talk about, oh, I want to know more about this, you know, this paranormal activity and all that stuff. And I know there's different areas. I wasn't sure if you had that or not. So that's obviously not that big of a deal. But I certainly wanted to give you an opportunity to promote your business. I know you guys, I've, I have the opportunity to go there every Friday with my daughter before I take her to school. And we have a great time. Uh, obviously, your employees are super nice. Your coffee is great. And you're I love your breakfast sandwiches, by the way. It's put on a couple pounds for me. But talk about a little bit about your business and maybe some upcoming things you have coming up. Absolutely. So um, we have just celebrated our 11th year on the square, um, going strong, which is fabulous. Um, we are known for, like you said, our coffee. We've won Best Coffee in Medina County for uh, eight years or something. Best place to meet. Um, so bring your business meetings, bring your daughter in the morning before school, whatever. We love to have you. Um, we do have a cooking school that I had mentioned earlier, and we have a ton of classes um, that are online. If you go to Eventbrite and um, just search Cool Beans, you'll find all of our upcoming classes. We've got breakfast with Santa and cookie decorating and um, knife skills. We've, we've got it all. So yeah, come and check us out. It, cool Beans to Go is where you can check out our menu or CoolBeansMedina.com is where you can check out everything else about us. Well, Laura, yes, absolute sir. pleasure. Thank you for telling us all the haunted and spirited things happening at your facility. But uh, certainly um, very interesting. And obviously you hear these stories and you hear about these other buildings that are spirited. There must be something else out there is my guess. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at with that. You and me both. <laughs> Laura, thanks for your time. Don't forget Thank to check out Cool Beats in Medina. And uh, we appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Miss Speaker of the Week now, Ken. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi held a press briefing last week to talk about some parts of the legislative process for President Joe Biden's agenda. Here is one of the most powerful people in our country talking about it. We're sending stuff over to the Senate. Well, it's, it's most of the product that we've done is, except now we, we may have added in the last day or so, and some of what we added is Senate to the bill, like a hearing. Bernie doesn't like hearing. Excuse me, Bernie loves hearing. <laughs> Manchin doesn't want hearing in the bill and all that stuff. Um, so some is Senate oriented, and then we had the family medical leave. We figured if they're putting things in, then we can put something in, if, even if Manchin doesn't like it. So, um, uh, so we are getting some bird I and privilege. I think I think mostly we're getting privilege scrub, because privilege drug is deadly to a bill. Birdable, it's important. It's you have to take it out, but privilege violation can take you out. So so we're again getting that as we go along as well. But when we pass a bill, then they will f see it in its aggregate and make uh, some. Any concerns that any of this is? messaging because that they have to take some of those things out regardless no matter what you send over you said you weren't going to send a, a messaging bill no no we're not sending a messaging bill but we um, want to be sure that what we send is not birdable or bird bath or privilege scrub there's a two um exercises we're engaged Bathing exercises we're engaged in, and um, uh, we're getting good responses. There's no bad answer. 
You know, it is what it is. is. There's a certain objectivity to it. It is what it is. Because whatever it is, this is the greatest monumental, historic piece of legislation uh, that any of us have will ever be a part of. Well, uh, certainly in terms of cost, it is. Let's go with mm. that. But uh, Ken, do you, uh, what would she say there? I'm going to go with this, is that she didn't know, really know what to say and talked in circles so much that she kept saying the same words over and over and everyone just kind of shook their head and said, I don't think she understands what she's talking about, but I'll just go like this so we can get this done. Right. Yeah. Am I am I right on that? I think so. I mean, some of those uh, she was using some terms that are uh, legislative and governmental, you know, scrubbing, burdable, yep. that kind of thing. But even still, that, I mean, no, let me be clear. None of that was added. That was two minutes yes. of her talking and those large pauses in there. That's what happened. It's like yes. she just stopped and had to reset and rethink. So I'm. Just remember, one of the most powerful people in our country. Yep. And that is the misspeak of the week. Cleveland! This is for you! Another edition of Cleveland Sports History. That means we bring in our Cleveland sports historian, Dusty Sloan. Dusty, here's one for you. I'm not sure if you remember this or not. I don't think you were born, but obviously a pretty famous time. Cleveland Browns' Marion Motley sets a record for the highest average gain in a game, averaging 17.1 attempts, which is, uh, let's try that again. That actually didn't make any sense. I misread it. We're going to do it over. Check it. Pretend as though it didn't happen. We're going to do it over. Wait a minute. Oh, you don't have to change it, Ted. That's a record for highest average gain in a game. Highest rushing average in a game. Highest rushing average. 3.1 yards per carry, right? Yep. Yes. And make sure you, I don't know that we need the date, but mention the uh, the year maybe. Okay. Yep. Time for another edition of this week. Nope. Let's try it again. Time for another edition of Cleveland sports history, which means that brings in our favorite Cleveland sports historian, Dusty Sloan. And for, in 1950, Dusty, what can you talk to us about is Cleveland Browns, Marion Motley, the Hall of Famer, sets the record for the highest average gain in the game with 17, I repeat, 17.1 yards per carry in 10 attempts as the Browns beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 45 to 7. There you we, go. We, we always enjoy those Browns uh, victories over the Steelers, particularly back at that kind of margin. But when you talk about Marion Motley, obviously he's a Hall of Famer, a fullback. And obviously back in 1950, fullback means a lot, something a lot different than what it does right now. There aren't really a lot of fullbacks left in the NFL. But back then you had to be able to run, catch, block, and sometimes even throw the ball. But where Marion Motley's concerned, he was not just a pioneer in the african-american realm and being one of those pioneers to integrate the nfl he was a heck of a football player obviously by the fact that he's a hall of famer and the other thing about that game is not only did he run 11 times for 188 yards and a touchdown he also caught a 33 yard touchdown pass so he was a he was a big problem for the steelers that day he's like the man of war for that game and he and he was a very key component. You remember all the stories of 1950 about how the NFL thought the Browns weren't any good coming from the old AAFC and they wanted to teach them a lesson while the Browns ended up winning the NFL championship that year anyway. So it was the Browns who ended up teaching that lesson. 
Marion Motley was kind of, uh, am I off base in saying he was kind of the Jim Brown of his era? He most certainly was because a lot of people forget that Jim Brown was listed as a fullback. He was a fullback when he played with the Browns. But again, when you think about fullback these days, you're thinking of Lorenzo Neal, guys who just block and just kind of big stocky guys who don't carry or catch the ball. Well, back in those days, the fullbacks really were the ones that were running the ball. And remember back in the eighties with the, in the Bernie Kosar days, Ernest Biner and Kevin Mack were basically interchangeable on those fullback tailback roles. So very different way you utilize that position than obviously now. Well, and I, the- I've heard, you know, fullback is uh, obviously changed over time. I always, when I played football, I was always the drawback. <laughs> At least you got that. Or I was left out to be honest. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. That's all part of I, that. I, Dusty, I was, last, last I was a ledge buster. <laughs> They don't have that anymore. Last question. I mean, obviously it's going to be tough to answer this, but I have to ask. So the guy was averaging 17 yards per carry. Why did he only get the ball 10 times? Well, that's, that's an interesting because they also had Don Phelps, who was the tailback. Ken Carpenter is a very good player back then. But the, the other thing is too, you don't, you didn't see the NFL teams run as many plays as you do now either. It was a very different time, 70 some years ago. So you would think that you would run a guy like that to death if you could, but the Browns were awfully talented back then and had a lot of guys who could do the job. Yes, they did. No doubt. Well, Dusty, great information. Nice to look back on a very famous time in 1950 with Marion Motley, who set the record for the highest average gain in a game with 17.1 yards in a win over the Pittsburgh Steelers, 45-7. to Thanks, Dusty. Thanks, gentlemen. Cleveland! This is for you! Time for the overachiever segment. Ted, we've really overachieved this time. I think we have three overachievers. I think that's a record for this segment. That is a record. Put it in Guinness. Guinness. Most overachievers in a uh, segment on two middle-aged men in Cleveland. I'll bet that's a record. Well, another person that's going to be in the Guinness Book of World Records is illusionist Jackson Rain. He escaped from a straitjacket 300 times in eight hours. <laughs> he before <laughs> 299 wasn't enough. What's... I guess not. He had to go for 300. Okay. He performed the escapes at a Georgia theme park. The previous record was 193 escapes set in 2003. So he so, rushed that record. Wasn't even a, I mean. So 194, let's not stop there. 200 no. now. 250, now we're still going. No. Okay. 300. Yeah. In a related story, uh, the uh, stock on uh, straight jackets is uh, bottomed out. <clears throat> a Dartmouth College professor is also in the record book, uh, having created the largest video game joystick. Mary Flanagan made the nine foot tall joystick out of rubber, steel, and wood to celebrate her childhood experience of playing lots of video games on her Atari 2600. Is that something you would do to celebrate uh, your uh, Atari 2600 playing? No, no, nine, nine feet's too tall. Obviously, this is not a joystick you can use for the video game system, correct? Like a statue? Is that what we're looking at here? I think so, yes. Okay. Well, seems interesting. 
Also interesting is a pair of sisters in Hong Kong. They're also, to get this, Guinness record holders now, too. Okay. The six and eight-year-olds have collected 3,388 different lip balms. I repeat, they have collected 3,388 different lip balms. Okay. The sisters, have, they've also started making their own DIY lip balms and... Um, that they give to family and friends. They do this at home. Oh, well, so okay. I guess they've, maybe they're doing like a research project where they like, oh, let's just see how many we can look at and we'll just kind of reverse engineer them and all that. And then we'll come I up guess. with our own. So six and eight year olds create, uh, uh, collecting lip balms, lip balms. Okay. 3,388. How many do you, how many lip balms do you have at home? Uh, less than that. Less than one. Yeah. Well, right around there, right around there. Yeah. Yeah. That's about, that's about the extent of my, uh, my lip balming. I think well, I Ted created a verb. Congratulations to all of our overachievers. All right. Time to get in the ring. Steve Muehlhausen from DAZN, D-A-Z-N.com back with us to talk about all things happening in professional wrestling. And Ken, uh, the big dog in the fight right now is WWE. And they uh, they kind of go on at both ends of the spectrum, huh, Ken? Yeah, it really seems like that. Steve, had I asked you this question off the top, it's like we ask you this question every week. <laughs> All right, so they had a revenue in the WWE of $256 million last quarter. And yeah. then most recently, we learned that they released more talent. Uh, basically saying because of budget costs. Break this down for us. What What's going on over there? What, what do we got? A lot of befuddled, a lot of confused, a lot of angry was the sentiment I got from, I talked some of the people I talked to that were released and, and just some of the talent and people in WWE that I was able to reach out to and they who got back to me and a lot of befuddlement, confusion, anger, um, mistrust, hypo- hypocrisy was yeah. another big one. Mistrust, you know, because and it came out later. You know, I think it came out Friday from uh, Fightful that you know they sent out an email saying budget cuts. <laughs> It's very baffling. A lot of confusion. A lot of, you know, I'm upset for a lot of these things because some of the talent's okay. I get that it makes sense. But what, you're getting rid of Keith Lee. You're getting rid of Karrion Cross. You're getting rid of Scarlett. You can say what you will about Nia Jax, but she's a very unique talent. Frankie Monet. What do we, we're getting rid of people because of mental health. We're getting rid of people because you just don't know how to book. Like, how do you not know how to book Keith Lee? How do you <laughs> not know how to book Karrion Cross? How do you not know how to book Frankie Monet? It's just like the incompetence of this company. It, it's just more baffling as time goes on. And it just, this stuff just shows more and more. And I get you're going to remember these people. People get fired every day, and I get it. But you don't get it a lot when a company just comes out and reports, "Hey, we just made in profit two hundred and fifty-six million dollars." Well, 
Uh, another place that apparently nobody's going to be working anytime soon as we keep the good news rolling here. Uh, Sinclair Man. Broadcasting, the owners of Ring of Honor, they just released all their talent and they shut the company down at least temporarily to reimagine oh. the company. Is oh is, my god, we see the last Ring of Honor event. What's do you what 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 what, what is going on? Todd, I thought I thought we were, this was like a show of good news. That's all right. The next the next question is about Jim Ross and his skin cancer. So we're hitting it all here. But let's uh, let's uh, stick with uh, ROH here for a minute. The way that's going down is a lot of the talents being released at the end of the year, and then the ones with longer contracts, they're going to pay them fully through the end of March, and then they'll go through. Kind of, it was like when WWE bought WCW, and Time Warner would was negotiating with the talent. You can either sit out or we can negotiate a buyout and you can get paid whether it's 50 cents or 75 cents or 60 cents to the dollar. So that's just all depending on the contracts. And I don't know about, I really don't know anything about their, the talent they have or had under contract, but another sad, another sad thing. And you know, you you look at this situation, Sinclair's got $12 billion in debt. Well, that, so that'd I be can a reason s- to cut some people as opposed to $256 million in profit. I, I, I can Ex- figure that one out. Exactly. And I don't hold out much hope for the return of Ring of Honor. The Joe Coff said April for the Supercard of Honor on WrestleMania weekend. I don't feel very... I don't feel safe in that projection. So, you, so, so you're you're not booking travel around that particular date, is what you're saying? I'm expecting no, I, okay. and I hope I really hope I'm wrong. Well, Steve, sticking with a little bit of AEW, uh, as Ted kind of said, our next question is uh, surrounded about Jim Ross. Unfortunately, we heard about the news with him getting skin cancer. It's a shame. He is one of my favorite individuals involved with wrestling. I just, I love his podcast. I, I love all the stuff he does. He's a great yeah. follow on Instagram. Obviously we wish him the best. They just keep plugging along. Any big news there for AW or anything you heard more about Jim Ross or anything like that? He's in great spirits. He had a good text exchange on Wednesday and Thursday and he, he's in great spirits. And it's, he put it, it's not the worst form of skin cancer. It's one of, as he put it, he's like, you don't ever want, he's like, don't get me wrong. You never want to have cancer. But it's like, if you're going to get skin cancer, the one I got is the one to have. So oh, I'm like, you. okay. You know, when he's in great spirits, he's, he's surrounded by a lot of great people. Um, but he's going to be okay. He's, he's like, I'm going to keep working. There you he's go. Like, he's like, I'm going to do it all in Jacksonville and I'm going to work. Um, in terms of AEW, the unfortunate news with John Moxley, we, I hope John, I'm glad John caught it now and was able to realize he was, starting to head down a path that he wasn't very particularly happy with. And mm-hmm. I wish the backs the, the John and to Renee and the baby. And cause that's a very serious issue. And that's a props to AEW as well. And the fact that that family felt confident enough to go to their boss and be like, yeah, I know what's going on. I'm projected to do really big things here coming up and but I got to go. And this yeah. is why. And the way Tony Khan you say what you want. Yeah, oh yeah, he's a billionaire. He doesn't really care. But you know what, though? The, the, that family has a heart. 
They're, he's a very compassionate human being. Being around him, he loves the wrestling business. He cares about each and, each and every single person that works for that company. Where you don't get that up in Connecticut. You don't. And, you know, that's why they pivoted. And I thought that was a great move going to Miro. And that was, that was a last-second thing. They, had to, they were scrambling. They were like, well, what do we do? And then Tony came up with the idea, let's go with Miro. It's a very credible name. We can have him go right in. He can wreck Orange Cassidy. And now you got a big match with Miro and Brian Danielson. Heck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we want to see Danielson and Moxley, but Miro Miro's not a it's not a bad move. And but nothing else right now going on in AEW. You know, they're just trekking towards their, their big pay-per-view this weekend. That pay-per-view is gonna be awesome. Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, you got CM Punk, Eddie Kingston, you got Danielson and Miro. That pay-per-view is going to be awesome. Well, fair enough. Another moment. Let's hit our wrestling rewind, Steve. This moment is November 3rd, 1998. Jesse Adi Ventura, running as an independent, defeats (laughs) Democrat Hubert Humphrey III and Republican Norm Coleman to become the governor of Minnesota. And subsequently transitions from Jesse the body to Jesse the mind. <laughs> uh, I, I recall at the time, this was, this was a big deal. I mean, he was a mayor and then all of a sudden he's the governor. And then uh, the following year, I think it was the following, yeah, the following year, he caught a lot of flack for using his Sunday uh, alleged time off. I guess he has Sundays off to, Go referee uh, uh, Mankind. Uh, they, they put Mankind over in that match because they wanted the, the hero shot of Jesse the Body raising Mankind's arm. But uh, Jesse the Body, a pretty interesting guy, Steve. But what an interesting time that was. And, like, the path he, like, went down. He went from, like, pro wrestler to actor and wrestling commentator and Got into politics, became a mayor of a small town in Minnesota. Then to be like you said, beating Hubert Humphrey, and who was like a, who was a, a god in Minnesota. All right, Steve. Well, if people want to follow you on the zone. What's the uh, what's the best way to do so? Well, to, and you can go to my social media at Housing Jr. That's S M U E H L H A U S E N J R. Gained a bunch of t- followers on the old Twitter. This past week, due to all the Canelo Alvarez coverage, so for all the new ones out there, the link is in the bio. You guys just click on the link in the bio, and it will take you to everything. The same thing for my Instagram; it's the same as my Twitter, and that's where you guys go catch all the stuff. And I have some AEW stuff up this week, some boxing stuff. So, freaking excited! Fair enough. <laughs> all right, Steve. Well, uh, we'll catch up again in uh, in a couple of weeks. All right, guys. Talk soon. The most trusted name in journalism, Klopp's Clips. All right, Ken, here's the news, the real news. A Colorado man was trying to clear cobwebs in the crawl space under his mom's home. Unfortunately, he tried to clear them with a blowtorch. He wound up setting fire to the home. (laughs) Then, 
<laughs> you can't start with these right off the and, bat. Then he apparently tried to put out the fire for about an hour before he bothered to call the fire department. Oh, Crews, <laughs> no. Crews spotted smoke coming from the roof when they arrived. The uh, fire did about $100,000 in damage. The 39-year-old John Charles Streckenbach is now facing several charges. Would your homeowner's insurance cover that if you're using a blowtorch? Stupidity? I don't. I don't think stupidity falls under the guise oh. of the, uh, the insurance there. Wow! Holy cow! Well, we had this story about the guy that uh, joined his own search party a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're going to stay in Colorado for our next story about a hiker. He got lost and then ignored several phone calls from rescuers on his cell phone because he didn't recognize the number. Okay. He was lost, but didn't want to answer the phone. The guy <clears throat> apparently started hiking on the morning of October 18th, wandered off a trail uh, around nightfall, and then couldn't find the trail again. Lake County Search and Rescue spent the night searching for the missing hiker who showed up around 9.30 the next morning. Uh, at that point, the search was called off. The rescuers released a statement saying, quote, if you're overdue, according to your itinerary, and you start getting phone calls, repeated ones, from an unknown number, please answer the phone. Answer the phone. I'm not answering that. Scam. I don't I don't understand. Oh, gosh. A woman living in a high-rise apartment complex in Thailand apparently got upset with crews working on the 26th floor of the exterior of the building. They were trying to fix a crack in the facade of the building, the aggravated tenant. Well, she, she cut the safety line for the painter's gurney, oh, which geez. is what allows them to come back to the ground. The uh, terrified painters escaped by jumping onto a balcony. The likely soon-to-be former tenant <laughs> is uh, facing charges now. Wow. That's, Get well, off that's the side way. of the building or I'll cut this rope. <laughs> she didn't want that thing painted, man. Nope. A man in Egypt went to the hospital experiencing incredible abdominal pain. Doctors did an x-ray and discovered the guy had a cell phone in his stomach. Come on, man. A cell phone. That's when he sheepishly admitted that he had eaten the cell phone about six months ago, and then he hoped it would just naturally pass through his digestive system. Oh, my. He was too embarrassed to tell anybody. The phone did not pass. But was removed after about two hours of surgery. That's like from the movie that uh, The Dark Knight Rises yeah. with the Joker, where that guy's got the cell phone in his stomach. That yeah. is uh, fake, and this is real. So that's the difference. I mean, are you? If you're that hungry, I guess you'll eat anything. I, I guess apparently, that's, that's I, what I, you'll do. What happens if you you need to call that guy? I guess you just get voicemail. I don't know. The Spokane, Washington, CBS affiliate, KREM, has apologized for accidentally airing a clip of an adult film in the middle of a weather forecast. Oh. Meteorologist Michelle Boss was doing the weather when the video played on a screen behind her. It was on the screen for 13 seconds, not just one or two, no, they, 13 seconds before a weather map was shown. The station has apologized. They could face a hefty fine from the FCC. In 2015, a station aired three seconds of an adult film, and they were hit with a $325,000 fine. Ted, you worked in television. Yeah. You've been in television for a long time. Yeah. How does that happen? What is well, going on? I 
why, why is an adult film anywhere near a, a, a tape machine that could hit the air is the question. That's my question, 100%. I, uh, you know, I, yes, I, you know, we, we worked at uh, WMFD. Now, rarely was that stuff live, but when it was, there was no, at least to my knowledge, we didn't have any adult films uh, uh, on hand there. And when I worked at Channel 19 and 43 here in Cleveland, um, how do I? We were we were a little busy in the sports department to be uh, having an yeah. adult film watching session. So um, yeah, I, that's. Uh, I mean, somebody's got to get fired. I don't know who. It would I would be. think so. Yeah, somebody did something. I think just don't randomly show up. So yeah. Oh boy. But that <clears throat> is this week's collection. Of Klopp's Clip. Oh no, not a dad joke. Ted, what do yeah. sprinters eat before a race? Sprinters eat before a race? Hmm. I don't know. What do they eat? Nothing. They fast. That joke was horrible. We're coming to the end of episode number 76. Lou the Toe would be proud. And this is our first episode since we had Halloween. Did you trick or treat, Ken? What did you dress up as? No, no tricks. No, no treats. Any treats? Okay. I didn't dress up. I already it, had my costume dressed on. Up. No. Okay. No. The kids dressed up. My daughter was a sloth. Pretty funny. <laughs> and then my son was some sort of thrasher person or i don't know what he was I don't, well it was, that's, it was something to be scary this is the last year i think of him trick-or-treating so he wanted to go out with the bang that's your kids what'd you my, have well, um let's see my youngest son was an astronaut my middle son was a browns player and my uh and when i say browns player the jersey he had was um trent richardson Oh, you know, that was on yeah, the uh, Trent. Yeah, that was on the Goodwill rack for three or four bucks. So there's nothing know. wrong with that. Yeah, and then uh, be, uh, soon enough, the OBJ jersey is going to be on that. Yeah, rack right. As well. So and then my uh, my eldest son was Ben Roethlisberger. Really? Yeah. As a yeah. joke, or he really likes Ben? Oh no, he's big. He's a big Steelers fan. I think it's just because you know I'm a Browns fan, and so I give him a hard time. I think he enjoys the banter. Sure. And I think he, uh, uh, not to be humorous for a moment, but I think he, he's an attention seeker. There you go. And so being a contrarian is yep. attention seeking for yep. him. And I think that's going to go well for him as long as, uh, he doesn't talk about the Steelers to the wrong person. That's true. That, that could oh. happen, but you know what, as I say, do you, man, you want yep. to support a, another team? Yep. God bless you. you I'm, know, I'm, all, I mean, I'm okay with that. Once again, we're, we're talking about entertainment, man. This right. Not life and, and, you know, I mean, so he wants to be a Steelers fan. You know, there could be worse things. You know. Did you dress up? Uh, I uh, put on some sweats and a T-shirt and a, a coat. So you wore what you wear in the mornings? Yes, pretty much. Perfect. Yeah. Erica, any dressing up or? Uh, sweats, a T-shirt and a coat. Oh, yep. Perfect. Yep. Yep. Normal everyday stuff. I love it. Yeah, pretty much. Had a flashlight, got lots of candy, confiscated it, kept it for ourselves. It was a typical Halloween. What candies did you steal? What candies didn't we steal? 
Is there one candy that you took more than others? No, no, the no. Kids no. We said, oh, these are mine. All the candy so we can all the candy. dole it out, uh, you know, so they don't just, you know, get on a sugar high. We're trying, to avoid, we're trying to avoid that. So I understand that. Makes sense. Yeah. All right, Ken. Well, uh, happy Halloween. And uh, we'll get ready for uh, Turkey Day. And we could talk about that in a couple of weeks. Turkey Day is approaching us. One quick thing before I forget, Ted, on November yes. 17th from 530 to 730, the Medina Farmers Exchange will be collecting turkeys for feeding Medina County. Sam mm. Livingston was on our show previously, wanted me to make sure I brought that up. So 530 to 730, if you have a turkey or a cash donation, you can go to 320 South Court Street in Medina to help feeding Medina County and help those unfortunate. That's that's awesome. Uh, good luck to them. Anything else you want to pass along before we go? Just that we're two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two middle-aged men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions. <laughs>